Hello and welcome to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that talks exclusively about the Chelsea SC women's team. I'm your host, Dean, and on this week's show, in part one, we review Chelsea's progression in the Champions League thanks to their 5-1 aggregate victory over Wolfsburg. In part two, we review another WSL win, this time over Birmingham City. In part three, we round up the latest news from Kings Meadow, plus chat about the Transfooty Alliance. And in part four, we've got your emails and questions. This is episode 19 of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, entitled, Fourth Time Lucky. Uh, now, before we get started, we need your help to spread the word about this podcast. So if you like what you hear, tag us in a tweet, share us on Instagram, or how about leaving a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts as it helps other supporters find the show. We'd really appreciate your support. Uh, now, joining me this week, as ever, is my wonderful co-host, Jane. Jane, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm doing good. Gutted. There's no games to actually talk about this week because of international break. But hopefully, not too long, and we'll be back. Well, we've got last week's games, obviously, but nothing to look forward to as such. Yeah, we've got no, no games to look forward to at the minute. No, but luckily for us, joining us this week is somebody just as exciting as fixtures for Chelsea women. Uh, that's Tracy Brown. Tracy, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. It's lovely to be back. And I suppose next week you could actually do like an international special, following all of our girls in international teams. Possibly. I am working on something for next week, but let's see. <laughs> Please don't hold me to anything. <laughs> right, let's dive straight into the match reviews then. Last Wednesday, Chelsea took their 2-1 lead back to Budapest to take on Wolfsburg in the second leg of their Champions League quarterfinal. Uh, Jane, take us through the all-important information from the game. So Chelsea lined up this one in a 4-4-2 formation with Berger in goal, a back four of Carter, Bright, Eriksson and Anderson. The midfield four were Ingle, Cuthbert, Leopold and Harder with Kirby and Kurt up front. Emma Hayes used four substitutions with Guru Wright and replacing Kurt in the 62nd minute. G and Jesse Fleming came on for Leopold and Cuthbert in the 78th minute. And Drew Spence was introduced in place of Ingle in the 84th minute. This left Musovic, Telford, Blundell, England, Fox and Beaver Jones as the unused subs. Stats-wise, Chelsea had 49% possession to Wolfsburg, 51 Five shots, four on target to Wolfsburg. Eight shots, two on target. We had one corner to Wolfsburg, three. We committed 11 fouls to Wolfsburg, 13. Chelsea had 64% pass accuracy to Wolfsburg, 67%. We attempted five crosses, completing three with Wolfsburg. Completing three with Wolfsburg, attempting 29 crosses with four successful. Chelsea lost possession 197 times to Wolfsburg's 200. We won 54 duels and completed 16 tackles to Wolfsburg, 57 duels and 14 tackles. Chelsea also completed 22 interceptions and 23 clearances to Wolfsburg's 8 interceptions and 10 clearances. Thanks, as always, to Mia Eriksson for the stats. And we're going to do Mia's tactical assessment now almost immediately after full time. Mia was messaging me about Aaron Cuthbert. Um, some of her numbers were four tackles completed, which was the most by any Chelsea player. Eight successful draws of her 15 attempted, which again was the most by any Chelsea player. Tracy, was she the key in stopping Wolfsburg down the left-hand side? Because the first leg, they had a lot of joy. And then in this game, they hardly had any success down there. Yeah, I think she was, like all of them, I think she had an exceptional game. Um, knowing it was going to be really hard. Uh, knowing we were only halfway through as well. Um like all of the members of the team, actually, she was on fire. She gave 110% on the pitch. Um, 
and thank God we had her there because yeah, it, it definitely tightened up the problem we had in the first leg. Yeah, I love Erin as a player. The way she she plays the game is fantastic. Jane, we spoke in the build up about the right back position, obviously with Neve Charles being suspended and Marin obviously out injured. We sort of went with Hannah to start, but Emma did stick with, with Jess Carter. You know, a lot of supporters sort of bit up in arms about that decision. What did you make of the decision at the time? Um, I was quite shocked by it. I did think she would have started Hannah, but I'm happy she started Jess. She played brilliantly, I think. She had a really good game. And she's not even played, I think that might have been her third or fourth appearance this season so for her to come back in such a big game and play the way she did was brilliant yeah she did just that Tracy it wasn't the best start by Chelsea Wolfsburg sort of dominated once again from the off you know Magda clearing off the line in the 10th minute after Wolfsburg got down that right hand side sort of in that opening exchange was you probably thinking there's concerns over Jess were justified the way Wolfsburg had joy down that side to be quite honest, we knew they were going to come at us full pell, completely. I mean, I think, I mean, even Emma had said we were prepared for it. There was, was always, was always going to be pressure. And obviously they would have looked at the team, seen someone who hasn't played that much and, and targeted maybe that same player. But I think in the end, um, we just prevailed. I think the, we showed strength throughout the throughout the back line um and i think we just we mastered where we've gone wrong in the past and um we just didn't give them the same i suppose the same space to do what they're very good at and they are a phenomenal team hence we've struggled so much yeah definitely felt like they took their, their bit of time to get into the game obviously where jess hasn't started many games probably that's a factor as well and obviously the the occasion of it once they did settle down, you know, they looked looked very strong. Um, 25 minutes into the game, Chelsea got a big decision in their favour. Panilla Harder released Sam Kerr over the top. And the Australian was brought down. The referee made the decision to give a penalty. And Harder stepped up and made no mistake to make it 1-0. Jane, it's fair to say that's a very favourable decision? Yeah, I think... I don't... It's a tough one. People were saying that they don't know if it was... A penalty but we got given it and we managed to get the goal and that was our away game wasn't it yeah yeah so obviously we got that away goal which helped us even more yeah it wasn't a penalty but we'll take it as always um <laughs> tracy last week i spoke about fate and destiny playing a huge part in the men's team winning the champions league um it feels like for the women's team, three penalties to Atletico Madrid all missed. Wolfsburg missing, you know, so many chances in, in both games. Uh, are you a believer that fate and destiny this is playing is, a part this year? This is Chelsea's year. I'm, I'm going across the whole club here as a whole, admittedly. This, for the women, this is, this is one of the best chances we've had. And with the team that has been built, it's been built for this reason. I have, this is, this. I feel completely at, I wouldn't say ease, because I don't feel at ease anytime I watch us play, um, but mm -hmm. I, I do have belief that this year, out of every year I've watched us, this, this, is, this is our time right now. 
yeah, it does feel like there's a divine spirit somewhere watching over our games, you know, putting penalties onto the crossbar, stuff like that. Um, we also have a wonder, wonder goalkeeper as well, let's be fair. Yeah. Who's a godsend? You have a superhero in goal. You're going to have a good chance of, of winning the Champions League. Um, the tie really changed in a sort of two-minute spell. Wolfsburg again got down the right-hand side, put the ball into the box, but somehow Pior managed to miss an open goal. And then literally two minutes later, um, Sophie Ingle clipped the ball into Sam Kerr with her back to goal. She turned to her left and put the ball in the back of the net and it really ended the game. Um, Jane, last week Mia told us that Wolfsburg wouldn't miss so many chances again, so we couldn't give them as many. Were you surprised that that one didn't go in? Yeah, I was. I was shocked that they had missed it because, like Mia said, like they're going to take all the opportunities they had. They wanted. They want to get to the final as much as we do. So when I like was watching and I missed it, I was like shocked. I was like, how didn't they manage to score something? Heavenly spirits. <laughs> it's like a barrier in front of the goal stopping any goals of theirs going in yeah like a gust of wind come and blew the ball wide yes. stuff like that happens all the time <laughs> uh, Tracy if I can find my space in the script there we go the the goal is what I want to talk about Sam Kerr oh. she was absolutely on fire the goal was world class wasn't it that movement oh my god world class absolute world class I mean just the quality I mean, I admittedly, I feel sorry for my neighbours as I was sort of screaming at the television as that went. I looked, just the quality is just endless. Yeah, I managed to watch most of the game either working or driving. So I did get to see key moments like that. And it was, you know, something special. Yeah. Sort of that goal really and the miss ended the tie for Wolfsburg. Chelsea with two away goals, as we've said. You know, they had to score too many goals. You know, AKB did make a couple of good saves, but Chelsea weren't quite finished yet. Ten minutes to go, harder down the left. She played it into Kirby, a little one-two with G, and she cut the ball through the goalkeeper's legs and ended the game 3-0, the tie 5-1 to Chelsea, which is you know quite poetic in a way. Jane, last week I felt that we sort of got away with that 2-1 win. Wolfsburg were the better team, I felt. But, you know, we did a much better job in this game containing them limiting them to just two shots on target. So we deserved this victory, didn't we? Yeah, I think we definitely did. Obviously, the first leg, we were lucky to come out with that 2-1 win. Wolfsburg came out fighting. But I think after that second goal, Sam scored. Obviously, they were going to have to score about five goals. And I just thought that was it. After that second goal went in, I was like, it's over. It's ours. And we did. we do deserve to get it through. Yeah, definitely felt like that once they they missed that chance, and then you know we punished them again straight away. It felt like the the, the fight had been knocked out of Wolfsburg at that point. Tracy, after the game, there was an image of Emma Hayes released online. She had her uh, fist clenched, and you could see all the emotion in her face. You know, you could see how much it meant to her. What did it sort of mean to you finally beating Wolfsburg? I think we were all doing exactly the same thing as Emma was, to be honest. The utter relief. As I say, this team has been built solely for this reason. It's been built to win us the Champions League. And eight defeats? Oh, come on. That win, that win was everything to all of us. And it was all in the emotion of Emma's face. And I think we all felt it. So utter relief when that final whistle went. But over the two games... 
yes, admittedly, they were better in the first leg. We dominated. And um, any doubters of Sam's ability just need to do this because there's been enough people doubting how good she was for our team. You're not fans. Go and find someone else to support. She's world-class. Yeah, nobody can talk Sam Kerr unless it's praise anymore. Sort of, as always, I thought Emma summed it up perfectly. She said after the game, sort of quoting her, I think this probably ranks as my most favourite winning charge. I pose the challenge to the group around their maturity, the learnings, the progression. That's how you show your manager how we are growing in Europe. I've waited nine years for today. That's a long time for this moment. To think the players played with that level of control, discipline, assured nature. They carried out what I wanted them to do in its entirety. I cannot tell you how crucial we think those things matter and everybody does their job. This is not just a win to get through to the semi-finals. This is a nine-year project and I think it's a really big day for us and a really big day for women's football in England. But you know, I'm going to say it's not enough. I want more. That, you know, is Emma Hayes to a T. I know it's her quote, so it would be. But, um, you know, I felt the image. You felt the nine years come out in that emotion. But now we know that this isn't the level we want. We want the next level, which is, you know, the final and the win. So another thing that caught my attention was a video tweeted by at OMVA Sports, which basically was a video of Chelsea pressing, but it was subtitled with Emma Hayes' instructions of the counter-press. Jane, did you see the video? What did you make of it? Um, I don't think I did, actually. Yeah, I don't think I have seen it. I'll have to go and watch it after we finish recording. You'll have to. Tracy, I hope you've seen it. Um... I'm not sure I did. I saw so many videos. Um, to record, there was so much. As soon as that game was finished, they, they, I think Twitter literally just blew up with um, Chelsea fans going nuts and our haters also going nuts for the other reason. It's funny that. Um, so no, I don't think I have, I'll have to go back and, and definitely scroll and go and see it. Okay. Well, I'll try and paint the picture for you anyway. Basically, uh, Wolfsburg have the ball and she is yelling at um, Sam Kerr and Penilla Harder the when to press, how to press. She's saying, you know, P, I know it's hard, but you've got to do it. You know, telling Erin where to be, where to press, when to press. It sort of showed how much effort and and hard work goes in on the training ground that she then attributes and helps the players on the pitch. And that's her level of coaching. You know, she took a bit of stick online from some people recently in a thread. And I think she silenced them um, with this game plan. Uh, Jane, give us the player of the match vote for this one then. So the Chelsea Women's Supporters Group didn't actually have their usual player of the match poll. Instead, they gave the award to the whole team, which is deserved. Tracy, I'm guessing you agree with that decision. I completely, I'm sorry. You could, you could, I mean, admittedly, Sam obviously was on fire. But I mean, to be quite honest, it's a whole, that over two legs, that's a whole team performance. And we were phenomenal, to be fair. The whole team was. From yeah. management down, I mean, from even the back end staff. The whole entire entirety of the team, incredible. Yeah, if if there was an actual award that we gave, you know, they'd have to share it a weekend yeah. each over the course of the next however long it takes <laughs> for everybody to put it on their fireplace. Um, again, that result after both legs: Chelsea five, Wolfsburg one. I'll repeat that: Chelsea five. That's one, two, three, four, five. Wolfsburg one. Uh, Bayern Munich wait in the semi-finals. Um, I haven't written the dates down in this script, but we'll do that in the new segment, I guess. And that is For all... For me to read them out? 
Oh, if you've got it right there, let, let's have it. I've got it. I did get it up, so I was prepared. Oh, about time. So the the first leg, we're away and we're playing at Bayern Munich on Sunday the 25th of April at four o'clock UK time. And then the second leg will be played on Sunday the 2nd of May at Kings Meadow at half 12. Yeah, Tracy, Sunday kickoff, much better for, for most supporters, I'd guess, to be able to watch this game. Yes, I think the, 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 this is where the diversity of football is wrong, completely. This is where men get the evening games, and it's all fantastic, everyone can watch it. And then you look at the, the times of our games previous, stupid time is the middle of the day. Yes, I'd rather the game was either properly in an evening uh, or at weekends because it is easier. Um, and the women's game needs to be treated just the same as the men's. And you wait need to look at that, to be fair. Yeah, I don't see why they're not Wednesday, 7.45. You know, you know when these ties are going to happen. You know, that yeah. should have been figured out a long time ago. But I'm just glad it's not 12.30 on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> Admittedly, yeah. I so. mean, it was just ridiculous, so... Sunday afternoon is. I'm the... glad they're not being played. I'm glad they're not being played on the Saturday either, because there was, a, like, people were saying it's either the Saturday or Sunday, and I was like, I can't ask for two Saturdays off in a row my first week back. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to miss it. And then when it came out today, it was a Sunday. I was like, thank God for that. I'm actually going to be able to watch it. Yeah, hopefully next year there's, you know, less restrictions in the world, and we can get these games in some normal situations um yeah that is all we've got time for for part one join us after this short break when we'll be reviewing sunday's game against burnham city real fans real opinions for chelsea fans everywhere this is the ultimate football app for you for match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to part two of Wentzimo Kings Meadow. Time now to look back at another WSL win, this time against Birmingham City, which was 6-0. Uh, Jane, run us through the all-important information from this game. So Chelsea lined up this one in a 4-2-3-1 formation with Berger in goal, a back four of Charles Bright, Eriksson and Anderson. Drew Spence and Melanie Leopold in midfield with Kirby Harder and Cuthbert supporting current attack. Emma Hayes used all five available substitutions, bringing on Hannah Blundell, Bethany England and Guru Wrighton at halftime for Anderson, Harder and Cuthbert. Jesse Fleming came on for Leopold in the 57th minute and Jess Carter came on for Sam Kerr in the 62nd minute. That left Zakira Musovic, Carly Telford and Sophie Ingle as the unused subs. Stats-wise, Chelsea had 71% possession to Birmingham's 29%. Chelsea completing 632 passes with a pass accuracy of 84%, with Birmingham completing 258 passes with a pass accuracy of 52%. Both teams won 50% of their duels, with Chelsea completing 70% of their tackles and 77% of the aerial duels, with Birmingham completing 56% of their tackles and 23% of their aerial duels. Those stats come from at NWSL and Analytic via Opta. Yeah. Analytica, sorry. 
Thank you, Jane. Uh, Jane, let's talk about the lineup quickly then. Just two changes from that big win on Wednesday. Uh, Neem Charles and Drew Spence in for Jess Carter and Sophie Ingle. Were you surprised by the sort of the lack of rotation? Do you expect we expected a bit more, didn't we? Yeah, I was expecting Musovic to start in goal. I think it wouldn't. It wasn't. Although it was a big game, I think she would have been able to cope in goal, and she would have. We would have been fine with her in goal. But I think Emma's. What Emma's thinking now is just these games matter. She needs to put out her strongest team, and we can't. We can't afford to rotate loads and then lose a game. Yeah, Tracy, I suppose there is there is only a few games left and, you know, to win the WSL, we need to win every game. So should we sort of expect the first choice sort of players, you know, the 11 or 12 that you would say are first choice players to play, really? Uh, I think when you look at the Champions League, we'll put out our strongest team, our, our usual strongest team. Um, obviously for Man City, we'll be the same. Um, maybe slight rotation for the rest. And when I say slight, I maybe one or two players. I think that will be, I think it'll be a dead cert for the same uh, um, 11 pretty much playing now. Um, every game is now a win. And I think Emma even said that herself. Every game is a final. Um, I just wish they weren't sort of sandwiched around the Man City game. Yeah, I agree. But I do think, you know, Guru Wrighton doesn't play in the, the strongest 11 at the moment. Bethany England doesn't play in the strongest 11. Jesse Fleming doesn't play in the strongest 11. Um, you know, Muzovic doesn't play in the strongest 11. So that's sort of four that I think we could, we could be able to rotate in in order to give us the best chance of being fresh for those big Champions League games without sort of weakening the team. As They are not weak players though. Look at that bench Yeah. when we're playing. I mean, people would die to have those players in their, their first team, let alone the bench. Um, we are lucky, as I say, one or two. I can see one or two changes. And obviously, we have fantastic power in our substitutions, um, which is which I think we will definitely need, definitely in Europe. Yeah, and I suppose we've been quite fortunate with, with injuries or the lack of them to those key players this year. So hopefully that continues. Touch, um, touch any wood in your area when you're listening to this, that that continues. Um, let's get into the game then. Chelsea, I think, started quite slowly. Um, perhaps sort of a hangover from not making that many changes. Um, I've lost my place completely there. I'm asking that question to you, Jane. I think I think it is tough. Where obviously a lot of our players played a full game on in Wednesday's game. Obviously, they are. We've had so many games over the last few weeks. They are. It is going to be a build-up, and they are going to begin to get tired. Yeah, and, and they gave so much in that game. You know, those sort of the nine players that started as well. So, you know, probably to be expected. Chelsea did get the breakthrough thanks to Sam Kerr. Uh, some nice interchanges on the edge of the box, leading to an Aaron Cuthbert shot, which the Birmingham City keeper pushed out. But Kerr was quickest to react. And Tracy, Sam Kerr seems to love scoring from tight angles at the moment, doesn't she? Oh, my God. Seriously, sometimes you're wondering how. I mean, it's even possible. Um, I think maybe she needs to just pop down to the men's section at Cobham and just show them how it's actually done right now. Because, as I say, as I mentioned earlier, absolutely on fire. Yeah, there is a German striker for Chelsea's men's team called Timo Werner who could... <laughs> 
benefit greatly from having some one on one coaching with Sam Kerr. Yeah. I know Chelsea have got that new sort of perfect play app. Maybe she could do some sessions and he could just watch them um, at home and learn a thing or two. Um, Chelsea got a second when Aaron Cuthbert's cross was headed against the bar by Penilla Harder and Kerr was quickest to react. Then just a minute or two later, it became 3-0. Kerr had a hat-trick when Aaron Cuthbert's free kick went deep to the far post and Kerr again rose the highest to score. Jane, it's sort of astonishing that how good Sam Kerr is in the air, isn't it? She's just, I think she's she's brilliant. She just seems to be, she just seems to be in the right place at the right time. Obviously, her first goal, she managed to react. And then obviously when Peniel's header reflected, she managed to be there again and header it down. So obviously it didn't go out. And then again for the free kick, she managed to just be there and just make sure we got them goals. Yeah, she has great sort of explosive power, I like to call it, where she can get you know very high above defenders. And then she just showed off hanging off the crossbar, really. You know, that was Sam Kerr's afternoon. Tracy, I suppose when you get to halftime at 3-0 on the game's one, you know, Emma's justified in, in playing nine players that played on Wednesday and perhaps not rotating as much as people might have thought. Yeah, I mean... I don't think any of us would dare question Emma's tactics on who's going to play and when and when to do subs and not to. Um, I, I'm, I'm tired of even trying to guess who Emma's going to put out on a pitch because no matter what, Emma's going to get it right. Um, yeah, I mean, 3 nil up. After yeah, Katie's sort of slow start, knowing what we needed to get out of the game on the back of a phenomenal game. Um, Sam lit up that first half, let's be fair. Um, it was the Sam show. Yeah, we was a little bit slow and predictable at the start. And then when we did switch it on, you know, we were no match for, for Birmingham. They couldn't handle us. And in the second half, Chelsea continued to go through those gears. Uh, Frank Kirby got in on the act on the end of Bethany England's cutback. Guru Wrighton made it 5-0 by scoring. Pretty much a carbon copy of that fourth goal. Jane, I suppose goals like that can get overlooked because of the type of game, the scoreline um, and the opposition, etc. But those two goals were really excellent team moves, weren't they? I think, yeah, the way the whole team worked together and we managed to get them two goals out of it, no goals should be overlooked. And the more goals we get, the better, because for all we know, this season could go down to goal difference. So at the end of the day, we need as many players scoring and getting as many goals, so we still have the opportunity. Yeah, I think it's over 100 goals in all competitions for Chelsea this season now, which is absolutely astonishing. Um, Tracy, great to see Bethany England back on the pitch. She looked very hungry and fresh when she came on for the second half, didn't she? Oh, didn't she? Uh, it's fantastic to see. I was so happy to see her back on the pitch. I think we all were um, after, obviously, the concussion break. Um Beth England is an incredible talent and unfortunately we have a team at the front packed full of them um, and there has to be some slight rotation with them to get Beth on the pitch. I miss seeing um, Beth on the pitch every game, to be fair. Um, has You can see the hunger with so much to prove, wants to be scoring, but also assisting, um, which is fantastic to see. As I say, we have a a phenomenal depth in our squad. Um, we're very lucky. Yeah, and the, the good thing, I suppose, about having that many good 
attackers is that Bethany's got to raise her game and she's already at a very high level and now she's got to go even higher and she looked like sort of the perfect number nine in that second half. She was sort of doing everything. Um, and Chelsea weren't quite finished with five. Um, some quick thinking from Grua Wright and caught Berman off guard. Her throwing was headed into the direction of Frank Kirby who ran through Berman's defence unchallenged to make it Chelsea six, Burnham City nil. Uh, Jane, I briefly want to touch on Grua Wright and again who was excellent when she came on. She scored scored one, helped up another. She hit the crossbar. Um, I think we're better with her in the team, but she don't quite seem to be able to make that starting eleven at the moment, does she? No, I, I can see where you're coming from. She is a brilliant player and we do play excellent with her on the pitch. But I think where the squad is so big and it's, it is a tough... I'd hate to be Emma Hayes, the bigger squad every week, because it's going to be tough to put out that all, no matter what like team she puts out, it's a strong squad. But I think Guru do, does deserve to start more. Yeah, I suppose it's a consequence of you know that four four two and the diamond shape because it doesn't really fit her in as well. I know she has played at the top of the diamond before, but I think she is better in a four two three one on that left hand side. But you know, at the moment we're not playing that way. But it's great to have options of her you know quality on the bench, I suppose. Um, now, this wouldn't be a Chelsea FC Women's podcast without talking about Frank Kirby. Uh, another two goals today, Tracy. You know, surely she's the player of the year. Um, would you like to sort of sing her praises a little bit for a while? Player of the year across every league, the whole of Europe, believe me, best player by far. There's a certain footballing award that everyone recognises in Europe, but mainly for the men's team where... Either Ronaldo or Messi win it. I personally wouldn't put up there as the female version of them too, to be fair. Um, phenomenal player. Has come back from a very dark place and has absolutely hit the ground running. Has got better and better and better with every performance, if that is physically possible. Um and I still think there's more to come. I really do. Um, she's like a wrecking baller right now. I would not want her running at me as a defender. I'd be running the other way, to be honest. Um, she's a joy to watch. And her link-up play with Sam is just... It's fantastic to watch. Um, best player in Europe. Second to none. Yeah, let's just hope ESPN aren't doing the voting for the, the Ballon d'Or because... Yeah. Seemingly, they don't watch Frank Kirby play football. They watch her play a different sport. Um, yeah, pretty perfect Easter Sunday performance from Chelsea. They rose to the occasion. Um, there was no crosses against anyone in the team. And they were really excellent. There you go. Some Easter punnage for you there. Jane, run us through the play of the match poll from this one before I do any more. <laughs> so the Chelsea and supporters group ran their play of the match poll over on Twitter. The four options were Guru Wrighton, who received 6% of the vote, Drew Spence with 7% of the vote, Frank Kirby with 15% of the vote, and the clear winner with 72% of the vote was Sam Kerr. Yeah, hat-trick equals player of the match. You know, It's not that difficult to work these things out. But Tracy, we've hardly mentioned Drew Spence, who came into the team. You know, She did a great job sort of coming to midfield. A bit like Jess Carter on the back of not really playing much. Um... Both of them, though, are fantastic players who just can't seem to get into the team because we've got such a, a well-established team. 
played very well. Um, fit in like was playing in the team every single week. And that's one thing I will say about anyone who's sort of sat on the bench more than on the pitch. When they do come on, they always give 100%. And her performance was just that, a really rounded, well-performed well game. Yeah, agree with that, absolutely. Uh, Jane, what about the league table? How does that look at the moment? So Chelsea remain top of the WSL on 50 points. Manchester City second with 48 points. Mm-hmm. Arsenal with a game in hand are in third with 38 points. Manchester United are fourth, also on 38 points. After them come Everton, Brighton, Reading, Tottenham, Birmingham City, West Ham, Bristol City and Aston Villa. Yeah, some big results this weekend. You know, Man United losing to, to Brighton with no shame in that. Brighton are fantastic. That was... Well done, well done. I have to applaud them right there. Fantastic, well done. Uh, and West Ham winning five nil was it? Well, yeah, as well. Yeah. Bit of a crazy one, but you know, it's all about the game of City. You know, that's going to decide where the title goes this year. And hopefully, the scheduling doesn't look too bad for us. So I think we could be able to um, play two strong teams in in the games around that. Um, but you know, that is all for part two. But before we go, some some very quick parish notices. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find us by searching Went to Mo Kings Meadow. We'll publish three or four videos a week based on this podcast. So if you want to see us as well as hear us, YouTube is the place to go. As always, apologies in advance for that. Um, consider this an invitation to join our Discord channel. Discord is the perfect place for match day discussions to be involved in the Chelsea FC women's community. So make sure you download the Discord app, search for Went to Mo Kings Meadow and hit join. We look forward to seeing you there. We'll also leave a link in the description for that. Uh, a reminder, if you follow both the men's and the women's teams to check out the main Chelsea fan car show, they also have a Patreon account, which you can find at www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And also we want as many people listening to and talking about you know, shows about the women's team. So make sure you check out and listen to London is Blue, the team at 195 every other Saturday. And of course, the only other podcast exclusively about the Chelsea women's team that we know about, Friends Fight Club. Uh, don't forget to check out the CFCW social. You know, aside from my work, there's lots of other amazing content from some amazing people on there. So make sure you're checking them out across all the social medias. And don't forget to check out the Chelsea Women Sports Group on Facebook and Twitter. The more supporters involved there, the better for everyone. Um, if there's anyone you think should be added to this little list, you know, please let me know and we'll add them and help spread the word. And you know, join us after this very short break now for, for part three. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back to part three of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Time now to look back at the latest news from Kings Meadow. Jane, what's been happening? So the England Lionesses has revealed their squad for the next international break. The squad include five Chelsea players. Carly Telford, Neve Charles, Millie Bright, Frank Kirby and Bethany England. The rest of the players on international duty are Sam Kerr for Australia, Jesse Fleming for Canada, Anne Katchenberger for Germany, Guru Wrighton for Norway, G for South Korea, Jonna Anderson, Magda Eriksson and Zakira Musovic for Sweden and Sophie Ingle for Wales. 
Frank Kirby was voted to give me sport women player of the month for March. Fran and Emma were also voted for the WSL manager and player of the month for March. Chelsea's online Jamie Napier and Emily Murphy signed a joint letter with the rest of the Birmingham City squad to the club's board with complaints about their working conditions. Tracy, it seems every time we have you on, there's a really negative news story about women's football. Uh, this week is no difference. Um, yeah, that Burnham City situation. Do you want to you know, bang your head against a brick wall for a minute for us? Yeah, I think actually, I think I was reading comments from, obviously we put comments out, I think we all put comments out, but reading comments from women within the game, from our team and from every team, was really interesting. I think it's I think it's disgraceful that any team in the professional game in the professional league should be going through what Birmingham women are going through. It's it, it, to be quite honest, it's disgusting. Um, these women give their all for their club and they should be able to do that safely. Um, and they should be able to do that with with, I don't know, worry about their club and, and how their club is going. If you know anything about women's football, you know what happened with Liverpool women and how they went backwards. Um, definitely when it comes to money and not being supported by the club, more needs to be done. Um, and the women's game needs to be treated um, equally, I think. And it, it, I think over time that that will get better, but more needs to be done now. We've got a great deal going forward um, with, with Sky um, and more money being injected into the women's game. That's great, but I, we still need more. And I've been I've been sat here um, the last couple of days in feeling extremely sorry for every single player of that team. It shouldn't be happening. Yeah, Jane... Sort of, what did you make of the sort of situation? Because this isn't the first time Burnham City have been in the news as well. If you remember, they failed to pay like five hundred pound for one of their fixtures to go ahead against Aston Villa. The the board wouldn't give them that money, which is you know pennies really to football clubs. So, what do you make of that whole situation? I do feel sorry for them. Like as a club, like you said, the situation with them having to pay five hundred pound and resulting in having to play a game at St George's Park. It's just not fair for them. And all the clubs, like, they say about, like, quality and, like, football and stuff. But it's not, no, like, the men's aren't, the men's team aren't helping. And it's just, it's not fair on anyone at the end of the day. Yeah, I suppose, you know, most teams have come, you know, a long way. You know, it wasn't that long ago, really, that, that Chelsea reduced the budget for the women's team. And it was... John Terry that stepped up and paid his own money to keep the women's team going back in 2009. Obviously, Chelsea have come a long way since then and they're one of the leaders in funding their women's team and the women's you know, business in, in football. Like you said, you know, there's teams like Liverpool who couldn't care less about the players <laughs> representing them. I think they'd rather they didn't have the name Liverpool and played under a different name. Uh, on the on the flip side, there are clubs like Leicester who have invested heavily recently, and, and they're seeing the reward of that. They've got promoted this weekend, so you know the more teams we see, you know, in the WSL where there are serious commitments to the club, to to the players, you know, Charlton I think are another one where a new owner has said some promising things about investing in in their team. 
And I think it's down to the FA and the WSL to come down hard on these clubs that, you know, don't take this seriously. You know, this is a professional league with professional players. It's not a kick around in a park, jumpers for goalposts sort of thing where they can pick up and, and drop it whenever they want. You know, it's a commitment. Players are committing themselves to the football clubs and that they deserve, you know, more than they're getting back those, you know, the players at Birmingham. So, you know, we're with them. You know, we tweeted our support to them. I know we, we don't do much as an individual show, but, you know, United, you know, fans across the UK can make a difference in issues like that. Um, let's move away from sort of a negative. I hope this is a more positive discussion, Tracy, about the Transfooty Alliance that's been going on. If anyone follows Chelsea Pride, they would have seen on your socials about that recently. Do you want to explain sort of what it is to anyone that doesn't know? Okay, so... Um... There is an organisation called Football v Homophobia. I think, to be quite honest, the title itself um, tells you exactly what they are. Um, they're run by an organisation called Pride Sport, and that is LGBTQ players um, within sport. Football v Homophobia is part of that. And as well as doing the Football v Homophobia month, there is a week of action for Football v Transphobia. Um, and it ended with Trans Day Visibility. We highlighted work throughout that week. Um, basically, it's been running for three years, um, and the whole point is to highlight the positives of having trans and non-binary people in football so that everyone feels comfortable to play football and no one should be alienated from playing the game. Obviously, there's enough alienization when it comes to, obviously, top levels, you have women in the women's game, men in the men's game, and trans players are not in those, those teams. However, we want to see change. We want everyone to feel welcome in sport. Chelsea Pride, as much as we are the official LGBTQ supporters group for Chelsea Football Club as a whole, we are more than just that. We will support discrimination across every form of discrimination. And we're a community supporters group. So you don't have to be gay. You don't have to be trans. You don't, you just need to be an ally and support. We're, we all everyone wants is to actually be treated equally. And the whole point of the Trans Visibility Week is to highlight the people who are in the game, who are already trans and non-binary, what they bring to the game so that more people feel comfortable. And it's also a great way of people learning. Education's the key for anything to do with this subject. So you can go through to footballvhomophobia.com and if you're listening and you're part of that community or feel like you want to learn more, that's the place to head. Um, and they've got all the information on there. Yeah, we'll leave all the um, information as well in the description of, of this episode. Yeah, sort of, sort of the transit issue, so to speak. Sort of, I feel like it's, you know, my son's sort of going to be five. I think when he grows up, he'll look back at sort of my generation and be wondering what what were you doing sort of not supporting these people? The way that you know, we look at, you know, I look at my grandparents with sort of the race issue, you know, my parents with homophobia. I know we're not at a stage right now where, you know, gay and lesbian people can sort of not have discrimination because it's still there. But I think there are massive strides being made and, the more generations come through, the more tolerant and liberal they seem to be. Sort of Jane as someone probably a generation below me. Do you see 
you know, change in sort of society, the way you see society you know, regarding sort of the trans. Um, I don't, there's not, obviously, I don't think there's as much, there's not much about the trans community. Obviously you're seeing more nowadays, obviously the gay community, like lesbian community, but there's still, I still feel like there's a lot more that can be done for the trans community because people just like sort of brush it under the carpet like they used to do with gay people and stuff like that but I think now that's started to slowly progress I think I think either time we'll see more progression but it's just a matter of time there's problems within our own community as well there is I mean it's you know we've even we even have problems with certain lesbian groups who sort of go LG and they stop and they won't even add the T at the end of it. So the problem is obviously there and it's something all of us as being part of the community or as allies to the community, we can all make a difference. Unfortunately, there is still homophobia, just like there is racism and everything else, sexism, it's still there. Um, I find it ironic when you see homophobia towards our women's team when you don't know anything about our women's team then if you look at half of our squad who are out or even have partners in the squad to be fair um so the homophobia is still there i still get told when i'm at stanford bridge um i'm too politically minded which i'm not believe me i'm just thick-skinned and if i don't like it i shouldn't be going to football i've been going to stanford bridge since i was about eight years old to be quite honest no one's going to stand there who's 20 years old and tell me I shouldn't be there um and I'm so I, I'm used to that but I've got thick skin I I will normally have a really good gritty comeback to anyone um they normally don't like my comebacks to be fair it normally starts arguments um but that's because I'm I'm used to it the reason Chelsea Pride is running is because we still have a long way to go I wish the group didn't need to exist there's a, growing, um, there's a growing number of LGBT supporters groups now. We're trying to make sure that there's one for every single team, um, men's. And normally the men's will cover the women's as well. Uh, Leicester are very proud at the moment because obviously they're women of, uh, they're going to be playing us next season. So uh, Fox's Pride are extremely happy. Um, but more can still be done. And it does come down to education. Um, but yeah. Just go to footballbehomophobia.com and you will learn a lot more. Yeah, one of the sort of debates around sort of trans in sport is uh, sort of an unfair sporting advantage. You know, I think there's cases of, you know, someone has transitioned and they're competing in women's boxing and, you know, they have a, you know, unbeaten record because they do have an unfair sort of advantage. What sort of, what sort of happens about that? sort of going forward, if someone sort of was trans and they wanted to play football professionally, what sort of the barriers are there now and what can we do to sort of adjust and make people welcome? I mean, the FA are looking, the FA have to take a big stand here. Um, this is a problem not just in, in football, though. This is a problem in sport. If you know, if you watch a lot of other sports and you look at, funny enough, out women um martina tennis she is completely against trans women playing in high-end sports there's lots of other um ex players across different sports who are really anti um trans um 
I think the the way this needs to be sorted is for there more there need to be more discussions and people need to look at it as a whole, them as people, and maybe the science. I think there needs to be a an open conversation where all of that information is put in one place so everyone can sit down and actually have an open conversation. Um, I have obviously in the community I'm in, I have several uh, trans friends um, and to feel that they, even at grassroots level would not be able to do something they love because they are now truly living as who they should be seems wrong to me. No one should be discouraged from doing something they love just for being their authentic selves. I just think there needs to be, this is the discussion that needs to be opened up so that more people can get an understanding, but it's never going to be easy. And it's not a conversation a lot of people feel very comfortable with. Most people are still getting around the gay lesbian thing still, to be fair. And actually the biggest problem in the world at the moment in football is actually racism, which seems to have come back tenfold, which is ridiculous. Watching a team lose, and then all of a sudden you're pinpoint a black player and then bombard him with monkey emojis or even women is just disgraceful. So discrimination as a whole is something that we as society need to be working on together. Yeah, and so what can sort of your, your allies of Chelsea Pride do to sort of help with you know, Chelsea sort of Pride in general and sort of the Transfooty Alliance as well as a subject? I think, um, well, I mean, we're nearly at 10,000 supporters on Twitter, followers on Twitter, which is fantastic. I think at the end of the day, it's about being allies. It's about maybe going to websites and actually learning um, because education is key. Maybe reaching out to us and, and asking questions. We're always going to be open to anyone who wants to know more. And there is nothing wrong with us if enough people ask for us running a session where people can actually ask direct questions and we can have members of the community in to answer those said questions. As I say, it's not an easy subject for a lot of people and most people don't know a lot about the trans community. And this is an opportunity, like every day, to break down discrimination. So I think it's a matter of reaching asking. Yeah, sort of, I would say I'm one of the people that, you know, didn't know a lot about sort of the trans community and have learned a lot through the stuff that you know the work that Chelsea Pride have done one of the big things I know is sort of visibility and trans visibility and you know acknowledging that they are people and they do exist and hopefully this conversation does that in a in a very small way and those of you listening to the podcast can can learn more by you know heading to Chelsea Pride and the links in the description and you know so forth um Jane any sort of final comments on Sort of Chelsea Pride and the, the Transfitty Alliance and what you make of it? Um, I think Tracy's covered a lot of it. Obviously, something needs to change. Like she said, like discrimination and racism to players is starting to come back, which I just it's not necessary. And I think it's not it's not gonna go away anytime soon, but things do need to start to change. Yeah, well, let's be, you know on the right side of, of history, so to speak, when, you know, when you see discrimination, when you hear discrimination, it's no longer enough to, you know, you can't ignore it anymore. You need to, you need to speak up, you know, and highlight that these things are wrong and, 
you know, we will do that when we see it and we, we you know, encourage you to, to do the same and to, you know, support, you know, people, no matter, you know, their religion, race, gender, um, sexual orientation, you know, whatever, you know, people are people and, you know, you treat people how you want to be treated in a similar way. And um, it's okay. And also it is okay to learn. It's okay to say, I don't understand. It's okay to say I make mistakes, but I want to learn from it. That's actually okay. It's when people refuse to learn um, those people who sort of give the community uh, a bad name. And normally if you have someone who hates one community, they tend to hate everybody. So to be quite honest, um, some people you're not going to educate. But I do think if you realise that you don't know enough and you feel like you could maybe even be a little bit more up to date yourself with, with stuff that's going on in society, then yeah, I think you're going in the right direction by admitting you need to know more. Yeah, knowledge is power, somebody once said somewhere. Uh, not that I know who said it. So, um, and that I think wraps up part three for us quite nicely. Um, join us after this very, very short break when we've got your emails and some questions. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back to the fourth and final part of Wentz Mo King's Meadow. Time now for your emails. Jane, who's been in touch with us this week? So we've got another email from a friend of the show, Sonia. She says, hello, Dean and Jane. Just finished listening to episode 18 with Mia. Great insight. But now we know our Blues are into the semi-finals. Again, great win. And now we have that Wolfsburg monkey off our backs. The sky is the limit. This competition is reminiscent of the Conti Cup once we beat Man City 4-2. We re- realistically knew the final would be easier down the road. And now we see a new belief. A point in case was... Carter, many say in the play of the match. Before the game, some fans were worried and then ate, ate their words. Emma has inst, inst, instilled belief in all the players. So looking forward to go, so looking at the favourites to go through and play our Blues is Bayern. Mia, if you were there, what will we have to look out for? How well do Melanie, Mielda, Harder and Harder know these players? Is it a squad with 33 players, a combination of Germany as Swedish, French, Dutch and a few other Europeans. These games now knock out two WSL matches. The first is Man City, WSL decider, which we will have to play by the 9th of May. And the second is Tottenham on the 1st of May, again by the 9th of May. How how we juggle this in international break where franchise Bright, Sam, Magda, Yona, Fleming and Sophie are taking part. The leading questions now are, does Emma pull them back early to rest? Will we have more midweek games, weekend games, or even three games in one week? No other team in the WSL, the FA Cup, the Champions League have this problem. Very interesting times. Not bad problems to have, but what it's going to give, Sonia. Thank you, Sonia. Mia's not here, um, but she will be back when we preview Bayern because she knows a bit more about German football than you know many people that I know. Um, Tracy. Sonia asked what's going to give. My answer is nothing. What, what's your response to that? Nothing. Nothing's going to give. 
we want a team that's winning everything. We want a team that's involved in everything. And unfortunately, that means non-stop football and players literally playing their hearts out consistently. Um, with barely any time to breathe. Um, gone are the days where you get rest days in football. Um, I think I, I do really think they sort of get up, they eat their breakfast, they go to train, they go to play, they may sleep somewhere in between, and then it's on repeat. Nothing's going to give. We we want them to win everything. At the moment, we are we are heading in the direction where we could win a lot. And come on, what Chelsea fan right now is not thinking? Let's win everything we can. Yeah, this these moments are what you know all the hard work is is for to be in situations where you can win tournaments and, and trophies. Uh, and you ask any player, would you prefer to play a game Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, or Sunday and Sunday? They're going to say Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, because they don't have to do the training, which they don't like as much as playing. Um, Jamie, got some questions from Discord as well, haven't we? Yeah, we've got a few. Um, ben said, would love to. Would love your thoughts on how well Emma has managed the squad. It's one of the toughest jobs as a coach of a top team, and it's so clear that everyone is getting minutes. They're happy and perform well whenever they come on. Also, how is it a tight group and everyone has got each other's back on and off the pitch? Yeah, Tracy, I suppose that goes back to um, when we beat the WSL record for unbeaten games, and Emma spoke about having a squad of good humans. Um, you know, I suppose that's the reason she's able to keep everybody happy because there's no, you know, selfish players. Everyone is, you know, together for the for the team. I don't think she'd have any selfish players in the squad um, because even if you're not playing on the bench, if you you obviously with with no crowds in at the moment, you can hear more and you hear everyone. You can see, you can hear Emma extremely loud, um, but you can hear the players as well. And that support is there whether you're on the pitch or not. Um, we're a whole Chelsea family and it has that feel to it. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any chinks in the armour anywhere. I think, um, as I say, we are one team and everyone, even if you're not on the pitch, is looking in the same direction. And at the end of the day, as much as there is no time to breathe, as much as us fans want to win everything, those players want to win everything, which is why they're given their all week in, week out. Yeah, Jane, I hopefully you saw our own Twitter feed where I shared some guru writing quotes about, you know, sacrificing you know, your own playing time for the benefit of the team. You know, and that sort of, that highlights it from a player's perspective that someone of her quality can say, you know, I know I'm not playing, you know, I'm not starting, but I'm going to give everything, you know, for Chelsea. That's you know, what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, I think all the players, obviously it's gutting not being able to start each week, but I think they all know we've if they don't if Emma doesn't start her strongest squad, they're going to get playtime at some point during the week. But they're all they support the players no matter who's starting, who's not starting, because they want these trophies as much as the fans do. Yeah, thanks Vin for your question. Um who else, Joe? Um, Demon Baller said, how vital was the defensive performance yesterday? For Ericsson in particular was very good and Carter, who stepped up big. Josh, I think this is in relation to uh, Wolfsburg. Um, our brick wall. Yeah. Back. What did you, you make <laughs> of the brick wall? Yes, our brick wall um, from goalkeeper outwards. Um, brick wall. I mean, look, look at the scoreline. I think you counted it early on. Was it one, two, 
three, four. Oh, it was five. Yeah, that was it. Um, five, one. I mean, to be quite unhappy, where did that one come from? It actually wasn't an outfield goal. It was a, a penalty. To be quite honest, we, we are, we're showing strength across all of the pitch. Um, but it starts from the back. And no matter who you've got in that back line, we are formidable. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be running towards them. Um, from cap- and our captain is a born leader. Actually, our captain and vice captain, both born leaders, um, who will make a fantastic future manager, um, to be fair, Magda. Um, yeah, fantastic team. Performance at the back. Yeah, I love the um, sort of connections they have, sort of Millie and Neve at the moment, you know, the English connection on the right, and then you've got Magda and Yona on, on the left, the Swedish yeah. connection. Uh, Magda and Millie complement each other really well and it all works. You know, there's one solid brick ball that nobody can knock down, even with the biggest wrecking ball you can find. That will remain solid. Um, Jane, who else has asked the question? Um, I don't know how to actually pronounce this, but I'm going to try. It's like um, Anubar-Ban, I think. I don't know. Right, yeah. Emma has been managing us for nine years. I would like to know has there been another top division manager in women's game for such a long time? Also, I'd like to know, would like it if you could discuss about Emma's influence on the game in general. I've got no idea if there's another manager that's been at one club for that long. I know there's you know, managers like Matt Beard have been in the game for that long. Um, Tracy, do you know that? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Obviously, a lot of the managers within within the, the game have been within the game for a long time just in different positions uh, within the game so off the top of my I head I don't know about I don't know how long Nick Cushion was at City for yeah I, I am trying to think but I don't think it's I don't, I don't think it's as long no I'm I, I not unless someone can quote me otherwise I don't think there's been anyone as, as long um but off the top of my head I don't other think- than Sorry, other than Matt Beard, but obviously he's been various teams. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone listening obviously knows the, the right answer, you know, let us know. You know, knowledge is power, as we've said. Um, Emma's influence in the game in general, you know, I think Emma does influence football as a whole rather than just Chelsea. Tracy, what's your thoughts on, on that? Emma, God. There we go. Don't think we need to say anymore. Um, I, I've got friends who who support a, a certain team um in north london called spurs um and um gutted to be fair that emma hayes isn't running the women's team at spurs and it's the one thing that was always said to me because everyone realizes that emma hayes is a force to be reckoned with when it comes to the women's game and football in general um emma's knowledge is second to none you only have to see that with what she has done with our squad, the way she manages the squad. Um, as I say, manages that squad of players and keeps everyone happy. That's not an easy thing to do. And a lot of managers fall very short of that. Definitely in the men's game. Definitely if you look at the amount of managers we've gone through with our men's team. Um, keeping players happy is always a problem. Emma just knows how to balance the game in every way. And... Hopefully, because of how good Emma is, it's going to make more young women think, I can do this. I can be a football manager. I can go into football as a woman and get somewhere. 
and look up to what Emma has done for the game. Yeah, sorry for the for the bad language there. Spurs is a very naughty word, and you should never yes. repeat it um, around children. Jane, I think Emma was involved in the TV deal. You know, part of the discussions around it involved managers, and Emma was a big part of that. You know, she is a, a huge you know, presence in the game, and you know, if the FA are looking to grow women's football, then you know, you'd be stupid not to lean on people like Emma to help and ask the questions. I think she wants, with like the likes of the TV deals, she wants women's football to be as big as it possibly can. And teams teams are unlucky that they've not got her as a manager. She's brilliant for us. They can't have her because she's never going to leave us. (laughs) But she is, I feel like she is a big influence, not just for us as a Chelsea team, but for the whole of women's football. Yeah, I think the, the next question touches on that as well, doesn't it, Jane? Yeah, um, Brazil Dart 70 said Emma has an inevitable task of having the choice of some of the best players in the world, most of them captains for their national teams. Not only does she have to keep them happy on the pitch, but off when you're not playing. You know how good she is, even when you have players like Guru, who has extended her contract, even when she isn't playing so much. She also helps time to help other managers like Birmingham. Yeah, obviously we touched on on most of, of that sort of just previously, but you know it was Birmingham City manager Carla Ward Tracy that said Joe you know, Emma spent sort of forty five minutes with her sort of the first time they met, and that sort of shows the influence that she has on the game, doesn't it? I think it shows her passion for the game, and she wants to see the game going in the right direction. Um, and we, I, for me, one thing I would love to see um, is instead of having one team go up, one team go down. I would love to see it be much more competitive. It would actually make the game more fantastic for the championship level if there's two teams fighting to go up. Um, It's a great way of growing our game. I know Emma is really insistent on making the women's game as big as it can be. That's definitely something that would push it in the right direction as well. But she's openly said she would offer support to anyone who wants to be within the women's game to learn and to grow it. And I think that's where we are. We're lucky to have um, the best manager on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jane, there's one more question, I believe. Yeah, um, Michael Schofield asked on Twitter, what areas do we need to strengthen for next season? Good question, isn't it? Where do we need to strengthen? No. No? No. No. Why? Why? What do you? What? I'm sorry. I for me personally, I look at our squad. I'm going to make the claim that we need a central defender. That's what I was thinking. Maybe Magda uh, Magda and Millie. So not to come in the Uh, first for a bit of strength in depth. How about a defender? I think that I'd I'd agree with Dean a defender. I feel like if Millie and Magda was to get injured, we are screwed. Okay, let's just not talk about that. We don't need to talk about injuries. It's not going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Next season will be as strong as anything. Look, we're all still gutted and I'm I'm still gutted about Marin's uh, injury. That was literally a heart-stopping moment. And to be quite honest, yeah. I felt so emotional watching that. Um, 
that's still extremely hard to see. Um, Marin Mielder is a phenomenal player. Um, so, yeah, we don't need any more injuries. We just don't. That, that was hard enough. Yeah, amen to that. And, and best wishes again to Marin on her road to recovery. Um, thank you for your questions. If you want to be on Discord and ask a question, you need to download the app and, and join. Uh, do that by hitting the link. And if you want to email the show like Sonia did, then email us at wenttomokingsmeadow at gmail.com. Um, if you want to say something about the team, the show, the latest game, anything in general, women's football, we will read them out and discuss them. Uh, just make sure you send them in before we record, which is normally a Tuesday. But make it a Sunday night just to be safe. Um, now, that sadly is all we've got time for this week. Um, we head now into the international break, but we do hope to bring you some content next week. Uh, just keep an eye out for us in your feeds, but don't hold your breath, please. Um, I'm trying. That's all I can say. Uh, just don't, Jane, mention, don't mention it and then people won't be as disappointed. Not to mention the podcast. <laughs> Jane, yeah, a pleasure to talk to you about all things Chelsea. Thank you again for joining us. That's all right. It's been a good one. Yeah. And Tracy, I'd like to have you back on. Yeah, thanks for giving yeah. up your time. Uh, to chat Chelsea with us. Oh, it's look, it's one subject I think we could all talk about consistently, so it's never a problem. It's it's great to be here with you both again. Perfect. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Mokings Meadow, me at Dean Mears, Jane at Jane Chapel X, and Tracy at Chelsea Girl seventy eight. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Went to Mokings Meadow, and obviously you can find Chelsea Pride at Chelsea Pride underscore. I believe. That's right. Yep. Yeah, off the top of my head, that one. Uh, don't forget, you can email the show, get your points heard. That address again is went to kingsmeadow at gmail.com. That's all. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Chelsea fans from Kingsmeadow to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high. Yeah.